Welcome. <laughs> Brian, go sit down. We're, it's on. That was Adam on the, is that a glockenspiel or a xylophone? Glockenspiel. Uh, a toy wooden piano. Because today we're recording in the kids' room. We are. And you, don't you need to be cl closer? I don't know. Oh, I, right, right, right. I'm already... We just got a tutorial. I've already forgot about the hypercardioid right. -ness. We just got an, a sweet but stern uh, <laughs> instructional <laughs> If you're ever Adam. wondering why we're not close to the mic or speaking into the mic, it's because we didn't know that we should speak into the mic. Right. And I, apparently I'm an animated speaker who sometimes <laughs> points his face at the microphone and sometimes yells in the other direction. Yes. Yeah. Both I thought were acceptable, <laughs> but apparently not. Yeah. Brienne's sitting under a, a, a lamb. Uh-huh. It's not a real one. It's not a real one. It's a no. fuzzy one for a kid's room. And we're surrounded by mobiles, children's, <laughs> children's books. Okay, but like cool mobiles. Yeah, no, no. Like, every, everything in here is super stylish. <laughs> But it's almost like we've been bad and we've been put away. <laughs> we've been put into the kids' room. But it Hank like, is here too, the dog. It was basically a comedy of errors trying to figure out where we could record today. Yeah. Because we're currently locked out of our typical recording space. You almost said studio. Studio. I, was, yeah. I wanted to. Um, and then we were going to record in the studio. Mm -hmm. But there is some equipment coming in today. And the key to the studio is probably inside the studio. No, no. I was going to say that, that was the guest house. Oh, oh, okay. Got yeah. it. Now yes. I'm... We, I've never been in the studio then. No. No, it's great. That was our second option. <laughs> but that was also removed due to some delivery Okay. overlap. Anyway, this is Slouching Towards Enlightenment. This is Slouching Towards Enlightenment. We're back. We're back. I'm Teo Burkhart. And I'm Brian Rose. And it's nice to be... Here. And we have no idea what we're going to talk about because... No, we forgot to talk about it in advance. Right. Even though we had dinner last night and <laughs> there were shenanigans, <laughs> we didn't even discuss it. Split it up, and I had two pieces for lunch. She almost spit out her lacroix right when I said that. What was so funny? Because I thought you were going to say on the way home. <laughs> no, no, no. I had, I had. Um, yeah, she, I, she wound up with all of it, so we okay. split it, and then okay. I had a so one of the sausage pizzas, uh, and then a little like tomatoey whatever. The margarita, right? I but believe. it wasn't enough, so I had to open a, a can of. Smoked trout. Whoa. To supplement. I didn't know where this was going. Wait, I, I think that everyone should first know that when you go to pizza night with Teo, he sets out his own accoutrement. Like he brings his own things to add to the pizza. Right. Which I thought was great. Yeah. Molden's. Is it called Molden or Molden? Because Molden doesn't say. I thought Molten. Molden. I don't know what it is. Molden I'm thinking salt. chocolate. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I have no and, idea. And red chili flakes and anchovies, except this is the first time I didn't open the anchovies. But you like brought them. Yeah. And you set them out on the table. Yeah. And it took a few seconds before someone said, and I think that someone was me, what is that? Right. No one touched them except me. Usually no. everybody passes them around and they're demolished. No. Yeah. So we there's a in Santa Fe, um, 
at the El Rey Court, which is a mo- uh, a motel. One of our sponsors. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to have to hit Jeff Burns up now. One of our sponsors sponsored by the El Rey Court. And um, what else? <laughs> Uh, they, they do, do this, a pizza night. Yeah, they, they there's a place called or there it's called Tender Fire Chick Chicken Tender Fire Kitchen, <laughs> and they have we this haven't huge, done this in a while. We like... this. <laughs> and they set this huge oven, and they make all these awesome pizzas, and it's a great chance for everybody to get together. And last night was crazy crowded. Yeah, because everyone is in from everyone Texas is... and Arizona, just driving around Santa Fe. Um, I, I, I've seen more out of state license plate. Yeah. There was a Louisiana license plate there. Wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I'm in town briefly. I leave Mm -hmm. tomorrow. So Mm -hmm. we thought we'd record a little meditation podcast. Yes. And we actually have a podcast that we recorded before this Mm -hmm. that was... we're affectionately referring to it as the Christmas episode. The Christmas episode. Or the lost episode. The lost episode. And it is actually lost. It's been lost. So what happened? So the drive that it was on failed, died, whatever right. drives do. And so we sent it It was it the out. return of Cassidy Freeman. Yes. So the exciting thing is that Cassidy, our special guest, <laughs> was back. It was her sequel. Yep. And, and we and and all we did was talk about food yep. and eat food into the microphone. It was really weird. And we couldn't in, in the best way. Yeah, we couldn't get on the subject of meditation. <laughs> yeah. And every time we tried, it would deviate. <laughs> back re- to sandwiches. Right. Back to chips. Yeah. Back to something. But we are gonna release that the Christmas episode as soon as we have it back. Right. Soon. We, we just don't know when exactly because they have to recover it. Right. But we're told it's out there. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. All you all you fans in New Zealand. The secret episode. <laughs> yes, thanks, New Zealanders. Um, so what do you want to talk about today, Brienne? <sighs> so many things. I mean, so much happens in between these visits yeah. and meetings. I mean, what's going on? What can how what's our way in? I, I think I would I actually I really want to talk about the two minutes at the end. Great. The two minutes at the end of meditation. That is that is specific. It is so specific. <clears throat> we can start there um, because, as you know, I have been meditating. <laughs> I'm a meditator. And When's your year anniversary? Did it happen? Um, in July. Wow. Yeah. In the beginning. Of, I think it's – actually, it's June 29th, I think. Oh, my gosh. It's this month. That's, that's amazing. I think that's the date. Okay. I need to look. All right. But it's around there. Yeah. I think that's it. So, yeah, I've been meditating for about a year. I have had on and off moments. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. Don't want to lie to anybody. You shouldn't. Um, so I had some off moments. Then I got really – work was really stressful. Everything was stressing me out. And I was like, I'm not meditating enough. Mm-hmm. not making that enough of a priority. And you're feeling it, right? Definitely feeling it. Right. Because once you get used to meditating and then you stop – it's it's bizarre. Which it, it shows you what you used to tolerate. It's insane. Yeah, I felt out of control a little bit. Mm-hmm. I felt. You feel just, a little bitchy. Uh just mega bitchy. <laughs> like the most bitchy. <laughs> Let's just get Adam back in here to confirm. Um, yeah, it's been a rough little road. It's yeah. been a busy road. So, 
I did get back into it. And then I called you and I said, I've been doing this and I'm really grumpy. And were you doing the two minutes? And that's the first thing you asked me. Are you doing your two minutes? And in some cases I was, in some cases I wasn't. And then you said you can even take a little bit longer occasionally. Yeah. yeah. So uh, when we meditate, um, me and all of my colleagues hopefully instruct our new initiates that after they meditate, they should take, once they hit that 20-minute mark or about, you know, we, we don't want to get too rigid. We don't use alarms. We just sort of like hit close to 20 And when we realize it's been about 20 minutes, we close our eyes again and we release the mantra. We just let Mm -hmm. go of it. We don't, yeah, go ahead. Question on that. Do you always hit 20 minutes? Like, do you know exactly at this point when 20 minutes has gone No, because everything's changed. But when I was, when I was in that, those years of, you know, after I learned till about, I'd say eight years in, I always hit the 20, almost always. I'd open my eyes and it'd be 20 minutes, but it took me about three months of practice to get to right on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But now I have a different program because I'm a teacher. It's, that's a whole other conversation. But once you see that it's 20 minutes, you just let go of the the mantra. You just release it and you close your eyes and you rest. And this is important. And it's important to do at least two minutes because this gives the physiology a chance to integrate what happened in the meditation. And, also, it gives your your mind a chance to slowly emerge from the depths of consciousness. Because if you come out too fast, it can make you a little irritable or grumpy. We call it roughness because roughness includes all sorts of... Rough around the edges. A little rough around the edges. Yeah. And, you know, I think people, even if they feel like they've had a shallow meditation, they're way deeper than they think they were, always deeper than they think they are. And this two minutes helps, it helps with all of that. Um, we don't want to come out too quickly because it can be a shock to the nervous system. The light, first of all, can kind of hit the eyes and shock the eyes and make you a little headachey. Or if you come up, <clears throat> you're moving from the subtle, subtle strata. Excuse me, Hank. Hank is, is <laughs> Hank is really taking right a liking to Dale. <laughs> yeah, he's really sweet. Um, you're, you're moving from the subtle, the subtle expression of consciousness, which is the celestial, yeah. or the transcendent field, and into the gross. And in the gross, there's demands. You know, you look at your phone and suddenly, why you a text, why haven't you called me? Or in your case, you might hear a baby crying or whatever it is. And this adjustment can make us feel like a little icky because we were in this blissful state and now we're in the the realm where people's feelings get hurt where you get in trouble for things and if you make that uh that transition too quickly you might feel okay first of all yeah you know you might come out and think i feel fine and then it catches up with you it's usually like 20 minutes later you start giving everybody the stink eye yeah and you think you're um, <laughs> I was trying to do it, but I, I don't know. That was your version of the Senkai? Yeah, she's, she's, she just gave a, a pretty bad. It's not supposed to be cute. <laughs> it was She gave a cute Senkai. I tried. It was like a little girl Senkai. <laughs> um, but there's something else I wanted to say about that. It's Yeah, so we say yoga stock 
Kurukarmani established in being perform action. And this is a description of what meditation does. When you establish your consciousness in being, being is pure consciousness, and it's full of um, potentiality, intelligence, bliss. And, and when you take that individual wave and flatten it into being or the transcendental field, you become energized with creative intelligence, with just energy and power. And it makes you want to, it kind of launches you into the field of action, which is this gross layer, uh, our eyes open waking state. Like an arrow. Pulled. I don't think I've ever heard you call it a gross layer. Well, the, it's gross as in the most expressed. Okay. Not like the layer of vomit or. Not like disgust. No, no, okay. just o objects, gross objects instead of subtle. But it is the most expressed layer of consciousness, whereas everything else is much more subtle. Okay. So when we meditate, we kind of are pulling, it's like the, the arrow would be our mind, and we pull it all the way back. And the further back you pull it, the more it will launch into the field of action. Okay. And sometimes, and I'm sure you felt this, sometimes you're meditating, and about 10 minutes in, you don't want to meditate anymore because now you're kind of feel like, I don't want to do this. I want to go. I got things to do. I got to, you know, I got, I got to do this. I got to do this. I don't have time for this. I got to call this person, this person. That's it happening. It's already happening. There's like this expression that's... You just want to move. You just want to start yeah. doing things. And the, uh, the mistake is, is that some meditators will think, well, that now is more important than my meditation and they'll come out of it too soon. All that stuff, all those obligations will still be there. You know, that's not going to change at all. But, um, but if we, the, the thing is, is when that happens, people start to shortcut their two minutes. They think, okay, I'll stay in the meditation. But once they're done, they might only do half a minute or one minute. When in reality, two minutes is what's minimum. And sometimes it's even better to lie down for five minutes or 10 minutes, eyes closed, which every meditator can like do. Like a Shavasana, you yeah, said. If yeah. You, if you have the time, um, lie down, do yeah. five minutes. and Or just make the time and try that out, experiment with that. It's two minutes minimum. But I find, like, I always lie down in the morning after my morning meditation for about five to 10 minutes. And that's a lot more fun. Because you might even go back to sleep. Right. But you won't stay asleep because all that energy now from the meditation is starting to bubble up. So you may go back to sleep and might find that you had a really deep sleep. But then you come out of it and you look at your clock and maybe you were only fast asleep for about three minutes. And now you're like ready to go. Yeah. I've only had one meditation in the last three or four weeks that I got to do before like 9 a.m. Because usually the babies wake me up. Mm -hmm. Then it's like go time. What time do they wake you up? Six. six so 30. they wake you up at six. And what time does Europe start blowing up your phone? Telling <laughs> three you that you need. <laughs> <laughs> three, two to 3 a.m. Um, yeah. So it's usually like I'll have to take a break in the mid-morning. Mm -hmm. I know that it's better to do it right when you wake up. Right. But... I but you're like dealing, you're dealing I'm with... I'm making it work with Yeah, the, but this is good to mention too, because when I teach... Which when I'm I, sure a lot of people have that same... Exactly, especially um, moms. Conundrum. Yeah. Yeah, and I always teach that, 
you know, wake up, make it about the first thing you do. Yeah. You, know, you can go to the bathroom or brush your teeth or get some water or something. But before anything else, meditate. Now, who gets the pass on that? Moms. Yeah. You have twins. You have, they're, they're how old now? A year and a half? 18 months. Yeah. Oh, my God. They're 18 months. And there's two of them. Yeah. Um, moms. I, I also feel the need to clarify that Hank is the dog and not my son <laughs> that's that's laying under tail. Yeah, yeah. Her children are not <laughs> under my chair. It was, the, I just the, felt the I needed is. to clarify since we're in the baby's room and he's like, Hank's here below me, like just laying around. Okay, so that's the dog. That's our dog, Hank. Yeah. Uh, moms have to get a pass or new parents have to get a pass. And what you do is uh, you just do the best you can. Yeah. You know, and and... Could Most, that be contributing? What to the grumpiness? <laughs> what what can, that what? I'm not I'm. It's like I'm waiting too long in the morning to do it. Um, that's possible, but it's you know I think the earlier it's hard to tell. Yeah. But the earlier you you get to it, the better off you're going to be. So if if Coral comes. Yeah. Coral's not under the chair either. She's not under the chair. Coral's the No one else is under the, the chair. Yes. Yes. So if Coral comes early, mm -hmm. maybe the first thing you do is hand them off to her and then go meditate. I right. don't know what she, time she shows up. But moms have to be innovative about their first meditation. Yes. And uh, and just do – I mean, I, I know my teacher told me once when he had a kid, he just hired a babysitter who would, on her way to school, would stop and babysit the kids for 20 minutes and then leave. That's commitment. That's great. That is, <laughs> that's <laughs> commitment. But not all of us have that luxury to yeah. hire some, you know, weird high school kid to come over and watch your <laughs> kids for a second. But you, you just you just do the best you can. But at the same time, that investment of twenty minutes twice a day is going to give you greater capability as a mother, and greater adaptability as a mother. They're going to get a better, more enlightened mother if you meditate and keep meditating. Right. And if not, they're going to get one that is, um, you know, more stressed, more, uh, well, I don't know, panicky. Yes. I mean, you've had a, you've had and, a rough And probably less week. present. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a rough week. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and there's other contributing factors to it because you're not just a mom. You're a working mom. Yeah. Like my mom was a working mom. She had two kids. Um, we were 18 months apart. So that'd be like you having a kid oh now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. But you have the same thing in a way. Yeah. Two, two kids so close together. Yeah. And she was, I mean, this would have been amazing for her. But I do remember times as a kid and as a very little kid, seeing her on the verge of hysterics. Yeah. And by, the, and by the way, there was no dad in the house either. So she was doing this all on her own with no meditation practice. And, uh, I mean, you know, she had, my grandmother would sometimes come, but uh, if we can convince ourselves. That is the best heroic, one. by the way. Your mom. It is. Oh, yeah. she's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's, she, <laughs> she needs a parade. Yeah. <laughs> um. But we convince ourselves by putting it to test, by just doing – and you know because you've done this. You've been a twice-a-day meditator yeah. and you've seen the difference of what that can do. So the best thing to do is get in twice a day however you can and then always do two minutes if not a little bit more. That will help. Always do two minutes. Now the other thing we talked about it possibly being 
is unstressing. Uh huh. Go on. How does that work? How does that really work? Hmm. So stresses are. Imagine. So st stresses go in as impressions on the nervous system, and and they go in or get imprinted on the nervous system when we move into some part of the fight or flight sequence. And we move into the fight or flight sequence if there's something, a change of expectation that we can't adapt to. And we may not be able to adapt to it because we don't know how to adapt to it, because we don't have the time to adapt to it, or we know how to adapt to it, but we just won't because it's inconvenient or, or, or there's plenty of things that can happen. And they range from the super tragic to the slightly annoying. But any of those can trigger a little bit of a stress. A stress happens when, you know, um, like... <laughs> okay, so this is, a, this is a very small stress that I felt today. But it's funny, so it's, it, it'll make a good little uh, anecdote. Um, oh, boy. What? Uh-oh. Does, does he need to leave? There's always, I always have to, I always use my parents as an example, but I don't know if they listen to this podcast. I don't think they do. So anyway, my mom, if not, I can't sell her out right now, but. Um, well, wait, you have to tell us okay, the story okay, now. Okay, yeah, we'll just release this. <laughs> I'll just not tell her about this episode. But um, my mom bought a new coffee maker. Okay. And my mom likes to buy things. And then Michael, my stepdad, uh, comes home and he's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I'm sure lots of married couples yes. go through this thing. This is actually a really common It's a very yeah, common thing. thing. And, and she bought a new coffee maker, a new Nespresso uh, machine, but it's made by I have some other, I have no idea. But my aunt had it. She loved the coffee. She got it. Okay. And she wanted me to, to dispose of the box. She asked if there was a... A uh, like a garbage bin by my storage unit because she knew I was going there today, and she's right. like, "Can you take this?" And I, I thought, and I knew what it was all about. She didn't want Michael to see. I mean, he's still going to see the coffee maker, but oh, whatever. And I said, I said yes. I'm going there soon. I'm going out on errands, so I continued to do my work. My work today was getting uh, an email out to my official students, my the students who have been initiated by me, mm -hmm. to tell them that group meds are back on. That you know you should listen to this brilliant podcast that you yes. do. Yeah. That I have an intro talk, just stuff like that. It was like a check in here, you know. And about an hour later, she nervously comes into the living room and saying, "I thought you said you were going out on errands." And I looked at her. I said, "I'm working. I, I have a job. I mean, it may not look like it. I'm doing it in my pajamas, right. but this is this is important." She said, "Okay. Well, when do you think you're going?" And I said, "You know." Michael's not going to be here for another hour, but she was already nervous. Now, <clears throat> that's her own stress. That's yeah. her. I don't care about that. Yeah. But it was a change of expectation for me because uh, I know my mom wants me to have a career. Right. I know she wants me to have a job, but she was putting her tiny little dumb like let's hide the coffee Obsession box with the coffee box over my what I what I have to do, and uh, and so that's a very tiny stress that went in. To me, because it's, it was a slight change of expectation. Right. I expect when I do an hour of work a day, that'll be uninterrupted and 
this kind of stuff. Um, but it can happen like, you know, you might see a car crash and okay. that's a, that's a whole other stress, but yeah. whatever it is, it imprint goes in because for a second I didn't know how to, uh, I didn't know how to interact with that change of expectation. Okay. I did eventually, but there was a delay while I kind of felt it. Yeah. And I, not only did I want to feel it, I wanted her to see me feel it. Right. Punishment. <laughs> Like, look at what you've done to kind of a thing. It's very, it's very small, but we do this. So because you wanted there to be a react, you wanted the reaction to be addressed. I wanted, I I, I don't know. I just wanted her to see my reaction because I wanted her to realize what, how ridiculous this whole thing was. Can you hide the box of lies (laughs) and stop your job and take care of me? Yeah. Which is a funny, it's just a funny dynamic. Yeah. It's it's actually funny. Um, so that's a little stress. And I know it went in because I kind of felt it. Like I was kind of like, what the hell, you know, I'm working. Like yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. It's not a big deal though. So these stresses go in. Stresses from that. What else? I've been traveling. Lots of stress going in. Right. And I like traveling. And stress isn't necessarily always bad. But if you travel you know, driving for a long time on airplanes, going through security, unpacking. That's just stressful because it's, it creates fatigue. Yes. Going through a breakup. Yeah. That's an overarching theme of the past few months. Right. That's a stress. So there's a lot at work going on. And I have a meditation practice that I do twice a day. So those stresses go in as chemical imprints onto the nervous system and the nervous system. We, we, um, we evolve this way to keep us alive, to get ahead of the real enemy. Right. We evolved so that if we were attacked by a saber-toothed tiger, let's say the you know the tribe was attacked, and you and I got away, you know, and you know, and everybody else was eaten. As that attack was happening, our minds, our senses, reach out into the environment and they start pulling data. Yeah. So it smells like whatever. Yeah. It smells like, uh, I don't know, the Sahara or, yeah. the, no, or the, whatever it is. You, you get these smells, you, you temperature, moisture in the air, all this stuff, sounds, everything. And then later on, maybe a year or two later, if some of those match up again, your body Has the will same reaction. prematurely commit yes. to a reaction before you even see the saber-toothed tiger. Why? Because if you're in a fight or flight, you can, you're, you have a better chance of surviving a saber-toothed tiger attack. Now, if you get the saber, if you get the fight or flight five minutes before the saber-toothed tiger attack, you have a five-minute head start. Right. So this is how it, it works. It's a these PCCs or premature cognitive commitments are imprinted on the nervous system. Yeah. And then we have a reaction like a trigger, and then you know we start reacting. And this is why. If we go home for the holidays and, you know, try to show our parents how to use a computer or stuff, we get, we feel, we feel triggered. Yeah. You know, we feel it's command Z. I've told you a million times. I'm going to write it down. Because so, we know, we can anticipate that. But there's also but something. But we're doing it unconsciously too. But so, yeah, I like mean, some, absolutely. Yeah. And married people and children and parents are famous for knowing we yeah. know we know all the buttons. Yeah. 
And we could just go beep, beep, boop, beep, 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 and watch the person just wind them <laughs> just up. Just spin out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now that's all fine and dandy, I guess. But once these start piling up, we start, if there's too many of them piling up, then they take over. They, um, if we have so many triggers that everything is triggering us, then life becomes traumatic and we always feel like we're being attacked by God or nature or whatever, or bad luck. Right. You know, and we know these people. Everybody know these, knows these people that just seem to be Victimized. under duress yeah. nonstop. Yeah. Everything's a problem. Oh, that she took my parking space. What, you know, like stuff like that. And you don't want to be driving with them anymore. Yeah. Because then they're like, yeah. they got there first. But these are people who need to learn how to meditate. So the unstressing part, so that goes in. Then we need to bring the nervous system to the deepest rest it could possibly achieve. Because during deep rest, the nervous system, having turned off from all the other things or disengaging from all the other systems, it, uh, it attends to, can now attend to itself. The nervous system knows how to purify stress. Right. It doesn't need our help. Well, only in the sense that we need to unplug or get it to a restful state. But everything in our body is pretty much automatic. You eat something and it's automatic. We're both, both Brian and I right now are digesting a gram a chocolate covered graham cracker. An excellent chocolate covered graham Trader Joe's. cracker. Trader Joe's, it's so good. Yeah with sea salt on them. And you and I don't have to think about it. It's just being handled by the di digestive system. Did we snack before the podcast? Yes. Yes, always. <laughs> <laughs> Will we snack after the podcast? Definitely. Yes. So uh, respiratory system, it's, it's automatic. Yeah. It's all automatic. Now, the nervous system is the only thing that can... Uh, purify these stresses out, but it, we, we have to achieve a deep state of rest. It's like unplugging the computer. Sometimes nothing works, so you just have to unplug the damn thing, yeah. plug it in, Restart. it reboots, yeah. and suddenly now it's working a little yeah. bit better. And human bodies are like that. If we don't have some kind of practice where we're bringing the human body to deep rest, then these stresses are going to continue to pile up and then we're going to continually come to the mistaken conclusion that God hates us, we have bad luck, or that nature is out to get us. Right. And none of those things are true. It's just that we are so stressed, we can't see beyond our own triggers. Um, and when we, and this is what happens. In, in a way, it's kind of interesting when people veer off of their meditation practice, and I hear this all the time. They'll veer off, and then three months later, they come rushing back to right. it. Right, and then that's when the unstressing happens. Well, um, well, no. That point is, is they life starts coming in again. Oh yeah, yeah. It's almost like a boat. You like suddenly starts taking on water, and they had a, you know, they were bailing out. You know, a sinking boat bailing out would be the meditation part, and then it's like, oh, we're fine now. Um, the unstressing happens during the meditation. You start meditating. And the nervous system starts scrubbing or laundering these chemical imprints, these PCCs, these stresses out of the nervous system. And a laundering, you know, any kind of like, like a washing machine, there's an agitation cycle, you know. And we don't just dip T-shirts in, 
in soapy water, yeah. there, there has to be some kind of agitation. So when we go deep in our, in our meditation practice, the nervous system gets, you know, gets that deep state of rest and it starts unstressing. It starts uh, burning or purifying those stresses out of the nervous system. And when it does that, because of the the sudden now excitement of the nervous system to scrub those stresses out, right. that creates thoughts and thoughts start effervescing up from the bottom of consciousness, bringing our attention to the surface where we feel like we're thinking and we're not deep anymore. Yeah. And this is where a lot of meditators think, oh, I'm doing it wrong. Oh, the meditation isn't working anymore because here I am up on the surface thinking about you know, an email I forgot to write. Which you've said a lot, but it's always good to hear that. I say it. I, I sometimes say it. I'll say it on the, I say it in my course. I'll say it every single day. Yeah. And, and still I get students come back and saying, you, you never said that. And <laughs> recently I, that happened. And this girl said the entire all of yesterday's course was about that. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember. But we're just human. We forget these things so quickly. And that's yeah. why it's good to listen to this podcast or any of my colleagues' podcast or just come back to class. Yeah. Everyone who paid, you can come back to class as many times as you want for free. It's good to drop in and hear this again. Yeah. So when you're thinking and meditating, uh, that's because you're releasing stress. The stress release is always accompanied by thoughts, sometimes lots of thoughts. Sometimes so much ag agitation that you're kind of uncomfortable and you keep changing positions in your chair. Or sometimes you might notice you're grinding your teeth. Um, but the interesting thing is, is that that stress is once it's gone out, it's gone. It's not coming back. Where does it go? It's like <clears throat> if you have a knot. Yeah. You know, a one string knot, and then you know, it, 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 and then you pull it, and the knot's gone. Yeah. Where did the knot go? Do you know what I mean? So there's like a magician's knot. You can yeah. take a rope and tie it in a certain kind of knot, and then pull it, and the knot disappears. The knot wasn't separate from the uh, from the string. It's not like the knot falls off. It's just that there was a distortion in the string. So there's a distortion in our nervous system or consciousness which is, are closely related. And as you meditate and get that deep rest, it's, you know, uh, consciousness has a chance to move back in to where that stress was. Now, what we don't want to do is deliberately go back to that stress and create more of it because right. people do that all the time. Yeah. You know, they... Well, um, because it sort of becomes something that helps you function in a way. It becomes your handicap. The, the stress? Yeah. But it, it, I don't know if it does. I know that it does in, when you're delivering a baby. You actually need stress. I think that people think that it, I think they, they lean on the stress as like, I need this to, I've done that. To motivate or, myself exactly, or exactly. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. I've, I know, you know, it's, it's funny. You know, I've taught comedians who say, well, if I learn to meditate, will I still be funny? Like if if you heal me, will I will I still be? It's my neuroses. It's like my <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But um, but the truth is is that we're less efficient when we're stressed out, and when we meditate, often we might have a problem that we don't know 
what the solution is. And then yeah. we meditate. And in the meditation, the answer is just there. And it's not like we even created the answer. It just becomes obvious. And it was always there, but we couldn't see it because our mind... See, people try to think their way to solutions. But usually the mind is what created it in the first place, the yeah. pro whatever the problem was. <clears throat> yeah. But when we meditate and take our individu individuality and bring it all the way back so it's touching pure consciousness, then we often come out and know the solution. And then we can execute it. Um, now, you have a whole... Some people have a different set of problems. Like, you have some challenges where you're dealing... And a lot of people have this. You're dealing with other people. You're fine, but there's a lot of conflicting... There's a lot of people coming in with conflict, saying conflicting things. Yes. And suddenly you don't know what to do, yes. you know, that kind of thing. That's when we need to get a, a resilient nervous system. We need to be able to masterfully uh, know what to do, when to do it, and in what order without feeling stressed out and without feeling uh, like, like something's at risk if we do the wrong thing. And being a little bit stressed isn't going to help you. Being not stressed at all will. Coming into it with a very right. relaxed. Yeah. Is, yeah. And the other thing is, is I noticed, and this is talking about dealing with stressed out people. Um, when one thing I started doing, when I, when I, you know, or I still do it, but I, if I'm interacting with someone who's very, very stressed, I often get really still. And I don't move a muscle, and I just listen to them. But I passively listen to them without judgment. And and if I become still, uh, because I've been meditating for 13 years or whatever it is, I can bring the environment into stillness yeah. as well. Yeah. And it makes them the loudest person in the room, so loud that they become aware of it. They start to notice that... Uh, that not only are they being demanding or loud or unfair or whatever, but everything can hear them. Right. And they and sometimes people who are like this, I know narcissists are like this, yeah. or very stressed out people, they need, they want the fight. They want the engagement. They want the back and forth. And if you don't take the bait, then you're actually uh, short-circuiting their... Um, not their narrative, but their agenda. Because often, if you fight, like, and, it, and it's person to person. Right. But if someone really wants to be right, let them be right. I don't care. You know? So it helps when dealing with these people to get very, very still. I've noticed that works for me. Because they can start hearing themselves their perception like starts looking at themselves yeah. and they become embarrassed with what they're doing. Yeah. Because a lot of people who have that kind of like, I'm right all the time, also want to be admired. And if you, if they are being a total whatever, that's not admirable. <laughs> Just a stress case. Yeah. Yeah. And, and they might find that there's an audience or they just might self-correct at that point. Yeah. But isn't that some people's frequency? Or or do no. you feel like those people can be brought down to earth? They can, they can be brought down. A lot of people who uh, I think who have this were very much like you and I once. 
Yeah. And then they got out of control. Um, you know, they, if you're dealing with Hollywood, which you are, I mean, this is a, there's a pecking order or a perceived pecking order. There's an ego There's an order. ego order. Yeah. And, and everybody wants, I mean, it's, it's so funny how too in Hollywood, like you, you get to the, when you get to the top, the person at the top is usually like super nice. Yes. The nicest. The nicest, but the people around them. Yeah. The henchmen yeah. are just egomaniacs, right. and uh, it's it's so it's very strange. But I don't, I don't, you know, I what you what you have to deal with is. I'm just glad I don't. <laughs> but it's, those are. But you're basically dealing with my future clients. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I'm just seeking them out. I'm just finding them. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're drawn to me lately. Yeah, but you're, you know, um, anyway. So whether or not it's the two minutes, it's unstressing that you're dealing with. Because there was a point, I mean, early on mm-hmm. when I first started meditating, I was the first couple nights, which is the opposite of your reaction, mm-hmm. I couldn't sleep. Right. Right. And was that unstressing? Yeah, that's unstressing. Yeah. There's there's sometimes a reorganization of the physiology when yeah. you start meditating. And often <clears throat> you'll have people who uh who um you know, I my student Lisa Sheridan, uh who once she learned she was ba- she she was stoned for a week. Like yeah. You know, and she had so it was like a, a she hadn't had a lot of bliss chemistry, and every time she meditated, suddenly her uh, she would get this you know huge bliss cocktail, and it was like stoning her out. And then I've had other people, my dear friend City Ben Simon, who giggled for a week and a half, giggling. She couldn't stop laughing, lying in bed, laughing, working, laughing, swimming in the lane next to me at the Pasadena Aquatic Center. I could hear her gurgling because she was cracking up. <laughs> And at first she liked it. And then, that sounds awesome. Yeah, but around around day 10, she looked at me like, is this ever going to stop? And so sometimes when we learn to meditate, there is this reorganization of the physiology and of the mind as stress is moving out. And, and we might feel tired for a week or we might feel uh, amped like you did for a week or, uh, or stoned like – Lisa or giggly, which like is Sydney. such a testament to how impactful it is. Right. Even if you don't even think you're doing it right at first, right? Exactly. No one feels like they're doing it right at first because yeah. no one thinks it can be as easy as I'm telling them it is. Yeah, I'm telling them, and they think he's leaving something out. I got to focus on the mantra, you know. Uh, not and most people have beginner's luck because they don't they don't understand the intellect hasn't got in. We we. We sabotage the intellect when we learn how to meditate. We sort of uh, go uh, fly under the radar with these mantras because the mantras don't have any meaning. They're onomatopoetic in nature. So once you start listening to the sound, it's automatic. What was that? (laughs) 
<laughs> so there's this there's this sound, and then there was a sound in the other room. And I said, what was that? And Brienne gave me the keep rolling sign <laughs> like we're making a movie. You are selling me out right now. <laughs> that was darling. That it was, was good. someone using the restroom in the next room. And I'm oh, like, was? really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. I forgot um, that the restroom's right there. No, no. It was just someone like, why you could just. Yeah. But this is this is why we tell people, don't make any big decisions in the first two weeks after yeah. you meditate. I taught this one, <laughs> this one girl, <laughs> and I won't say her name. Um, but she knows who she is, and she'll she'd laugh at this. But she came in the the next day, and she's like, "This is amazing. I'm leaving my fiance." And I was like, if "This is her second day. She had figured oh, yeah, it all out." We talked about we this. talked about this. Yeah. She's like, <laughs> I was like, "No, <laughs> not yet. Just we we need a couple weeks sometimes yeah. to uh, for things to get worked out because." Yeah. Once the body knows how to unstress, now generally unstressing only takes place during the meditation. But if you're at a rounding retreat or if you are a new meditator, sometimes the unstressing, unstressing can seep over even when you're not meditating. Yeah. And you can feel a little rough. Jumbled. Yeah. Yeah. But um, the, one of the tricks here is because... There are plenty of people who go down to one a day, and that's fine. This is their practice. They can do whatever they want. Right. But one of the reasons not to do that is twice-a-day meditators know that one meditation tends to be deeper. Yeah. And the other tends to be more shallow. Okay, that's good. We have one that's restful, and that restful one is triggering stress release in the next one. But if you release stress in the next one, it'll trigger a deep meditation in the next one. So it's kind of this like a seesaw. They need each other. They need They're each other. They're codependent. Mm -hmm. They're totally codependent. Uh, so when people go down to once a day, they'll often drop the more stress release thought filled one because they just want to have the deep experience. But what inevitably happens is that that deep one becomes the stress release one because the body. And that's not a good thing. Well, it's not that. It's just that the body is, uh, it's a little more powerful. The mind is subtle. So the body gets its way. The body always wants to release stress. And then you're always kind of releasing stress and you're not having that, that better back and forth. So people will say, you know, it's not really working anymore. But uh, the instruction is twice a day for maximum benefits. You can still do one today. I know some people who just meditate you know, three or four times a week. That's it. And they say, it's great. It serves me. And some people are like that. But I will say anybody who meditates twice a day uh, has, it's changed their life. That's when the big shifts come. The twice a Doing day. Doing it twice a day. Routine. Yeah. yeah. As much as possible. As much well, as you possibly can. Well, that's that the is, practice. That's the practice. It's yeah. not... Make it up on the fly and no. do what you think is best. But people treat it like a Valium. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm stressed. I'm gonna, I'm gonna meditate. Yeah. And that's fine too because they'll they'll get some benefits as well. Yeah. But um, why it's not even? The full scope yeah. Of... But if you meditate twice a day in five years, it actually becomes quite uh, difficult sometimes to actually get you stressed in the first place. Yeah. Now, what's better? Oh my God! Wait, what gets you stressed? Can we like try? Uh, let's see. My mom still gets me stressed. She's my teacher. She's my she's my guru. Um, she, let's see, that gets me stressed. You know, fatigue. The fatigue yeah. is my 
that's my, uh, that's what I have to watch out for. Having had Lyme disease, and I don't know, like, I don't have it anymore, but it's still... It triggers that response in you if you're yeah, exhausted. It left, it, left an, it left an imprint. Yeah. And, and learning this and practicing this meditation lessened the impact of whatever imprint it made on me. Yeah. But it's still there. Yeah. I can still feel the fatigue. Now, it's not nearly... People will just have to take my word for it. I, this is wh- wh- where I am right now in life in terms of my fatigue levels is so much better than where I was in 2007 yeah. or 2010 or whatever. But I still feel it. I still kind of feel it. So I I have to uh, guard you, my there's energy. There's probably also a sort of phantom fatigue that ha- if you've experienced that <clears throat> over and over and over yeah. and really intensely, there probably is just like if you – you know, any, if you go on a flight, you kind of know ahead of time how you're going to feel like that kind of heady feeling. And to add to that, I've become so sensitive to my consciousness state and to my body from from meditation that I can detect finer levels of fatigue that I probably wasn't detecting 10 years ago. So I'm more aware of my fatigue. Now it doesn't mean I'm more tired, but I am much more aware of it which is a whole other, if, if I didn't have the discernment, I would think the awareness of the fatigue could, I could interpret it as I'm, as I'm tired. Yeah. Instead, it's, I feel the fatigue, there is fatigue in the body. Um, and I, my awareness can go there, but it doesn't have to sub- succumb to it. It doesn't have to identify with it. You know. This is exactly, not at all, but almost exactly like we were talking about hangovers this week. Uh-huh. And a long time ago, someone told me, don't drink coffee if you have a hangover. It will make you more aware of your hangover, which I disagree with now, but that has stuck in my head. And mm. I realized it doesn't actually make me more aware of it. And I had to. Because it's a diuretic. It, it, can, uh, it can make you more dehydrated. But tell anyone with a hangover don't have any, that's a, not a good idea not a good idea just everyone who gets hungover because of the things they do knows about this thing and they still drink coffee yes because they can do whatever they want yes. if they're going to go on a bender <laughs> then why should we coffee must judge be them there. for having coffee the next the next day so the awareness i think that's important to just be aware of yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I raised my eyebrows when I said she that. She did, yeah. Um, and and awareness inque- increases. <laughs> increases. <laughs> it, whoops. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Where's the glock? Yeah, that was feel? the drum. That was the drum bell. Okay. Um, awareness increases as you continue to meditate, and that awareness extends to more subtle uh, strata, more subtle, um, more su- just more su- subtle realms in the mind, in the body, in the environment. Sensitivity is really good because it gives us that, it makes us more aware into parts of ourselves or the world that we weren't paying attention to. Now, problem is, is that if you have a hangover after 10 years of meditation, you're going to be way more aware of it. Yeah. And this is why a lot of meditators, after a while, uh, they stop drinking. 
they they or or their drinking habits decrease, yeah. decrease, decrease over a period of time. Some stop drinking immediately. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of meditators who just stop eating meat. They it's it's not most of them don't do it because oh now I'm a meditator and I want to you know show that I'm a Fit vegetarian. It's just that they sphere. they yeah they yeah. notice this isn't my digestion isn't as happy. Uh, or other people might say actually I do need meat you know, but you do get more sensitive. And you and you the, all those feelings everything you feel as a as a meditator. Whatever the mood is, whatever it is you're feeling, it's all information. It's weird you say that about the meat thing because Adam and I were having a steak the other night. Mm-hmm. And I put down my fork and I said, I can't do this anymore. Really? What night was this? Was this after the bolognese night? Yeah, the night, the next night. Not No, sorry, two nights later. Okay. Or maybe it was the next night. Um, but I just, I, I can't eat. Right. I can't, I can't. This is not like a revelation. Right. But... I, I just couldn't do it. Wow. And I love steak, typically. Wow. Um, that is not to say I have just all of a sudden overnight become... Right. But in that but moment... in that moment, you yeah. knew. You knew what was best because you, you could sense it. Yes. This is the kind of thing meditators report all the time. Yeah. And those feelings aren't just feelings. We can interpret them. We have to treat everything as information. Pain is information. Or else it's just pain. Yeah. And if it's pain, we're suffering. But if we can can uh, interpret the pain as information, then it's really useful. Or fatigue is information, or heartache is information, or whatever it is, all the stuff that we're feeling becomes information. You know, if you're, you know, if Shep is crying, he's not interpreting anything, he's just upset. Right. He, he doesn't, even if he could tell you what was wrong, it might just come out as a very general thing, like I'm sad. Yeah. But he may not be able to get there. As an adult, we can kind of articulate better what's going on. But as a meditator, we can use that as actual information on what to do about it. So in this case, I would say typically I feel so separated from the process that it doesn't affect me or it hasn't in the what past. Process? Meat. Oh, yeah. Sorry, back to the meat. Process meat. Back <laughs> um, to <laughs> But in this case, I, I just couldn't separate Right. This sort of animal from, from the food. Mm-hmm. Just that's good. in an instant. Yeah. That's like a, that's like having a, a cognition. And you knew what it is. You knew what you were eating. Right. That's awareness. That's not, you know. I remember when I was a kid, I was eating a burger. And I said, What's, what is this? Like, what is a burger? She says, and my mom said, it's meat. And I said, yeah, but what... What, what is that meat? Mean? I'd been eating meat. This was that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and I was probably in fourth grade at this point. Yeah. And she said, it's cow. <laughs> it was shocking to hear that. Yeah. And I remember putting the burger down and like staring at it for a long time. I'm, my mom was like, come on, go ahead. I had a moment. Yeah. Well, it also there's also the, the feeling that like I'd rather be closer to the process at this point. Like, I feel like I've yeah. that... Sorry, we're not going into this. It's just, it was like a very weird moment for me. Sure. Um, and it happened this week. Uh, and I don't know if it had to do with the meditation, but it just, I feel like normally I appreciate the, the separation, but mm-hmm. at this point I feel like I'd almost rather be a part of the, a part of that yeah. and own that 
rather than be so separate that I'm not mm-hmm. participating. I'm also, and you know this, all of, I just feel more sensitive to everything environmentally. Yeah. Completely. Yes. This is it. This is exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. You're in the payoff too, is you're more, you know, you like, you might be more sensitive to noise or to pollution or whatever, but you also might be more sensitive to light right? in a good way. Yeah. Like perceiving light Yeah. or perceiving um, the laws of nature or perceiving the personifications of the law laws of nature because everything our minds will personify everything and when we move into higher states of consciousness like god consciousness we become you know we start personifying everything including these subtle laws of nature that uh that can't we can't get there unless we have a sensitive nervous system unless we've let go of some stresses and we're we're expanding our awareness but is there a like the juxtaposition of that is like there's sort of the beauty in that and also there's mm-hmm. like a painfulness in that is there can be but remember we're the ocean right so if, if the ocean doesn't mind if a little bit of dirty water's flowing into it we're the ocean we're totality we're expansive so we can be aware of it without having to reject it or without having to take it on so if we see a little bit of of um, dirty water coming in a humber masme i am totality I'm totality. It's okay. I'm so much, and this is, this is a, a context thing. You know, if you are, you know, as let's say as a teenager, um, you have a certain amount of awareness. Maybe, uh, maybe the amount of awareness is. Uh, imagine, okay, like imagine I'm holding a magazine, right? Like a magazine or a piece of paper, and our awareness is the size of that piece of paper. And you're 16 years old. And then you get your heart broken. You get super dumped by... <laughs> Not just dumped, super, super dumped. dumped. by someone you're desperately in love with. And by the coolest person, like everything about it sucks. That might cover up most of that piece of paper. But life and the expansion of awareness, just getting older helps, but really the expansion of awareness would take that piece of paper and make it so much bigger that it might be the size of this house. Right. Now the stain from the breakup is still going to remain the same. It's still there. But we it but we shrink it by expanding our awareness. Does that make sense? Yes. And when it's infinite, anything can happen. Anything can try to get on that page and make a stain, but what we want to do is not try and diminish the the tragedy or the thing that happened. That stress will be gone through meditation but expand our awareness into a more to, uh, totality worldview or a more unified worldview that these little things that happen to us, it's just like a little dirty water flowing into the ocean. Do you think that transition is gradual or do you think it's like it's, a jump? It's both. It's gradual and then there's a jump. Are there gradual. any setbacks? Is it like two steps forward, two steps back kind of thing? It like sometimes can feel that way, but it... But the two steps back is often the process of normalizing it. So it might feel, you know, we, it's always like an upward kind of like a, you know, like a, uh, like a graph, those upward things. And sometimes there's a spike and we like those spikes because it's dramatic. It's dramatic. There's, there's more context and we're normalizing as we're, we're expanding our awareness too. Right. 
So I think it's both. I think it's mostly gradual, but I've had, I was just, I forget who I was telling this to, but it, I was just telling this to someone. I've had two of my students, it might've even been you. Maybe it was the other night. I don't remember, but who knows? <laughs> but I've had two students pull over on the side of the road and have to call me up because everything was saying hi to them. The universe became personified into like a, a, a world of beings and they were all like happy saying hello. Mm. Um, one was my friend Drea and the other was my friend James. Both of them pulled over on the side of the freeway and this happened, f- they were f- like a four-year So that different. sounds pretty instant, not... Right, but they had been doing so much work. Both of them are very devoted twice-a-day meditator, and yeah. they're completely different. Yeah. Dre is an artist. James is a um, a finance guy. Like, he's a finance guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? A golf-playing finance guy. You'd think it would happen to Drea because... She's yeah. tapped into that as an artist. <laughs> right. She's right. like, um, yeah, I, you know, she's the type of person who would make art out of her period blood. Yeah. You know, she is a hippie. In it. She's, she's in a it. hippie. Yeah. So you'd dedicated. think, okay. But what about the finance guy? How do you explain that? Well, they're both dedicated meditators who who not only meditated twice a day, but learned a lot of Vedic knowledge. And every time you learn Vedic knowledge, it starts to correct the intellect. It's like sweeping away. Um, but that looked exactly the same to them? Yes. They both hit the same... They both had the same experience and phenomenon where it was so overwhelming and beautiful, beautifully overwhelming that they had to pull over and they didn't know what to do next because they didn't think they could drive. Yeah. Uh, I was there when Drea called. That was was easy. That was an easy one because I just happened to be home and the phone was next to me. Right. When When James called, I was in Thailand. You know, I woke up on Koh Pengong And I walked over to this little restaurant where there was Wi-Fi and suddenly uh, 10 texts from James and different, um, you know, voicemails where he's like (laughs) cracking up. And he's like, I really need to talk. Um, And and it was and that was a that was a sudden burst. You know, they had but they had put in the work and they were moving in that direction anyway and then it died down and normalized enough so they could both get back in the car and continue and function. on and function okay neither of them were afraid it, but it's it was uh it just seemed undoable almost for for a second you know if you're if you're driving on the road and suddenly the road is alive and going hey brian how you doing you might be like, ah, and yeah. pull over and, you know, you, you go to that open the like door handle. That sounds like something out of Ghostbusters. Right. And then suddenly the door is saying, ooh, that feels good. Yeah. And you look out and all the clouds are dancing. You know, it's like being dosed with mushrooms. Right. Or, and not knowing what happened. Right. And they, what was great is they did have context for it. Uh, so I could talk to them. But that's a, that's a leap that, the, that they made in awareness where they had – a sudden God consciousness experience that was a really a gift, kind of a blessing. Yeah. Because it's so beautiful. And neither one of them thought they were crazy. You know, they called their meditation teacher. If they thought they were crazy, they would have called the ambulance. Do people call you not for meditation stuff? All the time. <laughs> they call me for everything. 
They call me for everything. I feel like I'm one of those people. Yeah, but it's <laughs> yeah. I, I I like it when my students most. I, I was talking to someone else recently who said, "Oh, I wanted to t- ask you all this, but I I didn't want to bother you, so I went to Google and I didn't get any answers. Never go to Google. Never. But it's also so nice to have a spiritual touch base. Yeah. That's like a really important piece, I think. I, I think so. It, it was helpful for me. Yeah. And I, because you have you have doctors, you have things, yeah. you have people to guide you in different ways. For you have mentors. You know, you mm-hmm. have these things in your life. But I think having like a spiritual mentor in this capacity mm-hmm. is awesome. I think it's awesome that anyone thinks that I'm a spiritual mentor. <laughs> Nothing. The okay. The, I also the call 20, you trivial the things. The twenty-five-year-old in me wants to <laughs> fall on the floor laughing hearing that. But um, it's true. I mean, it, yeah. it's really true. Well, there's, there's, you know, it's, yeah, it is. But it's, it's funny because it's not when I'm, when I'm not talking like this or when I'm not, you know, answering phone calls and discussing this kind of stuff. I'm not thinking about any of this. Yeah. Um, you know, most people would be shocked to find that I'm just scrolling through TikTok, watching, you know, looking, <laughs> you and looking at memes. You do have a TikTok memes. problem. I have I a think. TikTok problem. I have a meme problem. <laughs> I daydream a lot, and sometimes I'll daydream my way into writing. Mm-hmm. I'll just start with TikToks, and then I'll go down a wormhole, and then I'll think about something else. Next thing I know, I have the answer to the solution for yeah. my script. But I'm usually, generally speaking, I'm looking at memes and snacking. Or that's kind of it. It I it's pretty. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. And then the phone rings. It's like, oh, it's a student. But then you go into that mode really quickly. I go into the mode. Yeah, yeah I'm kind of like a uh, a short order cook. Yeah. And someone shows up and says, "Can I have two fried eggs?" Yeah. I know exactly what to do. I know where they are, how to do it, and and I love that. I like being pulled out of that. But I think that's part of it. I feel like I would be skeptical of someone who's this all the time. And I'm. it's like, well, you're still a human being, you know? And yeah. I think that you have, um, you have a lot of religions where people are seen as deities instead mm-hmm. of as human beings, but they're still human beings. Right. It's a really complicated thing. So I think that makes your availability. And, I think and, that's what it is. And, yeah. I th- and I think a lot of other – I know my teachers kind of like this – when he's not working and he's always working, he's doing something kind of mindless. Yeah. You know, uh, like I, I, I was the last time I was over there, um, I we were watching uh, car crash videos, you know, hilarious from slot racers. We were oh, okay. watching. It was me I was like, and that's dark. Yeah, me and Tom and his son, and there and we were just howling. It's not as dark as I thought. Right. But like the, you wouldn't Race expect cars. him to be watching. Um, and we're sitting there eating ice cream. Yeah. You know, he puts half and half over his ice cream. Like That sounds amazing. Doesn't that sound amazing? And we're sitting there gobbling ice cream. It's 11 o'clock at night watching car slot crash race- races. Yeah. He When he's not working, he's not, you know, investigating Rig Veda. Right. Mandala 7 or right. wh- whatever. He, the brain needs to get idle a little yeah. bit. But there is a lot of reading that I'm sure he's done and I know you've done. Like there is a lot of yeah, that that's yeah, happened, you, but it's not is. just like constant all the time. No, no you, you'd, you'd burn a fuse yeah. because it takes a long time to integrate that stuff, especially in the sort of early years. Yeah. Um, and he's done a lot more study than I, but you, 
you know, I went into this whole Jyotish direction simply because it was charming. That's why I didn't think I didn't have any like, ooh, I'm going to be a Jyotish now so I can charge for it, teach it, whatever. I just wanted to know how it worked. Yeah. And following that charm, um, I mean, it's it's this whole new direction for me, but I didn't study it to be a better teacher or to get anything out of it. It was just appealing. I really wanted to figure out how it worked because yeah. if it is a science, which it is, how is it a science? Yeah. How is Jupiter in the 10th house in, you know, Pisces right. going to make you a healer or whatever? You know right. what I mean? Right. How is that possible? It And now that I've studied it, I still don't know how it works. I don't know how. I know the mechanics of a chart, but I don't know why a certain thing, you know, in a certain house, it's very, it still baffles me, but that's why it's so interesting. I, not knowing is very inspiring to me if there's something to know, uh, but otherwise, you know, I'm going to look at memes. <sighs> I feel like before <laughs> we, I feel like before we end, you have to tell everyone about Hezbollah, he- cat's <laughs> Hezbollah. Hezbollah. <laughs> my favorite. Uh, yeah, he's he's my new favorite. He's this. It's just going to sound crazy, though. <laughs> because it is. So my new obsession is Hezbollah. And he's a Russian. He's this little Russian guy. And when I mean little, he's no, he's about. Sh- he's petite. And he wears, you know, he's Russian, so there's a lot of pictures of him in a tracksuit standing on a Mercedes, <laughs> and he, uh, and he's, he's a lot of these pro wrestlers and pro boxers in Russia, actually they all adore him, and and you'll see him like hanging out with them. He'll turn to one of them and just sucker punch one of them <laughs> in the head. But there's something about Hezbollah that's really cracking me up right now. I, I think a lot of people are getting a, uh, you know, really enjoying him. But he's there's something sweet about him too. He's but, great. Yeah. He's great. So stay tuned for more on Hezbollah. For more on Hezbollah. More on... And his name is Hezbollah, which is also... Yeah. Yes, it is. It is a captivating name. <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. Um, yeah. So I guess that's that's it. What's everyone's takeaway? Do your two minutes. Do your two minutes. Do twice a day. And when you're not doing all that, look at memes. It's very healing. And appealing. I don't agree with you there, <laughs> but agree to disagree. Oh, and put half and half on ice cream. Put half and half on ice cream. I think I definitely want to try that tonight. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Yes, it's been fun being with you and you, Hank, in the kids' room. And we'll see you later. Okay. And see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hank, you are a very good boy. Thank you. Oh my god, I gotta go. I gotta chant, I gotta chant.